Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Foundations in Faith. Join Monsignor Frank Lane as he offers insights into the readings heard at Mass. And now, Foundations in Faith with Monsignor Frank Lane. This is Father Frank Lane. We're continuing our program, Foundations in Faith. Today, um, we're going to continue to look at the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter, this time the 24th to the 43rd verse. It is that section of Matthew's Gospel where Jesus delves deeply into the parables. I have already looked at what the parables are. We've seen that, for instance, the language of faith is something that doesn't carry a whole lot of meaning with it as it enters into a culture of unbelief, as it enters into a radically secularized culture. And so as Jesus faced this um, situation in his own time, when the language of prophecy and Torah had instead become the legal language of the rabbis, that the, uh, that the meaning and the content of the old covenant were not able to be effectively communicated in the, in the age that Jesus lived, except to those few who had remained in touch with the ancient truth of the covenant and who had been schooled deeply in the traditions of the language of revelation, of prophecy, and of Torah. And so Jesus was then forced, in a way, to speak to them in imagery, in pictures, because he had to be able to communicate that which was intelligible to them, and using a vocabulary which they no longer understood or knew was in an effective way of proclaiming the gospel. So Jesus settles on parables, and in so doing, he gives us tremendous wisdom and tremendous depth. Today, it says, Jesus put a parable before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven, he says, and now he's talking about his realm, his world, what he tends to bring to the earth, may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, his enemy came, sowed Zazania, Darnell, all among the wheat, and then made off. When the new wheat sprouted and ripened, the weeds appeared as well. The owner's servants went to him and said, Sir, was it not good seed that you sowed in your field? If so, where, does all this, where do all the weeds come from? And some enemy has done this, he answered. And so the servants said, Do you want us to go and to weed it out? So here, let's look at this for just a moment then before we go any further. The kind of weeds that, first of all, the, sow, the seed that is sown, the kingdom of heaven to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Jesus is the one through whom the world is created. We learn that in both the book of Genesis and in the prologue of the Gospel of John. When John tells us that the word was with God was and was God, and through him all things came to be, and throughout him nothing came to be. So it is through the second person of the Blessed Trinity, it is through the Son of God, that all creation comes into being. And that is the good seed. We hear that in Genesis over and over again, and God looked at all that he had done, and he saw that it was good. The question then arises in this story of God's goodness in creation, where does the evil come from? Why is there so much evil in the world? And Genesis answers that for us also. It goes back and it explains to us the story of original sin. And basically what the meaning of it all is is this, 
What God has created is good. He sowed good seed in his field. But the evil, the weeds that have come into it have been sown by the evil one. In other words, human sinfulness is what has destroyed the goodness of God's primeval creation. Human sinfulness, and we learn also from uh, the book of Genesis, encouraged and implemented through the work of the dark, through the work of dark forces, through the work of evil, through the work of the devil. And then he says, and so the people who then, who look at it say, how did this happen? Look at this. You created a beautiful, a good world, and yet everywhere we look, there is ugliness, there is brokenness, there is sinfulness, there is violence, there is dishonesty, there is uh, immorality of every kind. So how does this happen? And Jesus answered them and says, some enemy has done this. In other words, yes, Satan has entered the world. This is the meaning of the image of the serpent in Genesis. Satan enters the world and seduces Eve and makes her attempt to be like God. In other words, to be complete and absolute in herself so that she doesn't need any God. That's the original sin. You eat the fruit, you'll be like him. You'll know good and evil, all of this. You'll be like God's. And so he says that the, an enemy has come in, has sown this false notion that by disobeying God, we can become more powerful than he is. And so the servant said, well, well, do you want us to go out and to pull all the weeds? Do you want us to do that? Well, the problem with that is, practically speaking, in, in the parable itself, is that the weed, which is called zazania, is a weed that it very, very strongly resembles a stalk of wheat, and that it's very difficult to tell the difference between that particular kind of weed until it gets ripe. And when it gets ripe, the head of the wheat tips over, it kind of bends over, whereas the zazania remains straight up, upright. And so then it's easy to tell the difference between the wheat and, and the weed, but only after it has come to the full term of its life, the full term of its purpose. And so Jesus says to them, or the master then says to them, no, because if you try to get rid of all the evil, you'll get rid of all sorts of good as well. You'll, you'll ruin the, the harvest completely. So let everything alone at the harvest time I will say to the reapers, first collect the weeds and tie it in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat into my barn. No, he's talking about now the final days, the final judgment. And he says that it's not that the, the part, of the, part of, the, uh, of the church, of the early church, and continually so, is if Jesus Christ is God, and if he has come into the world, and if he's come into the world to save us, why are we beset with evil? Why didn't he just come in and just wipe it out? And he tells us here, because it would have destroyed much that could become good as well as the bad. In other words, there has to be room for conversion. There has to be room for change. There has to be room for growth. There has to be room for grace. And if, in fact, you try to destroy all of the evil people immediately, even those who may have been converted 
would not have the opportunity to have been so. And we hear in the scriptures also, he does not wish the death of a sinner, but that they be converted and live. And one of the primary examples of that in the New Testament, of course, is St. Paul who blithely uh, supported the murder of the early Christians only in himself to be converted and become the great apostle of the Gentiles. So we don't know how it's going to turn out is the issue. And so the idea is since we don't know, we leave it to the Lord to sort it out. And the other issue is here. And this is troubling because this is not just the world that the evil enters into. You know, we, we can, we're, in, we're imbued enough with the story of, of the temptation of Eve, with, with the story of, from Genesis, that we understand there's evil in the world. But this, this is the man's wheat field. This, in the parable, is the church. This is ourselves scattered among us as they are and within the church as there is, great evil and great good. You know, I, I think that because we become impatient and because we don't believe that Jesus would tolerate evil, and here in this parable he's saying, yeah, I'll tolerate it. I'll tolerate it in the hopes, for instance, that we get out of it, that these people are converted, that things change. I do not wish the death of a sinner, but that they be converted and live. So, how many people in our own day and age say, I am impatient with the evil that is in the church. I am impatient. I, because of the sex abuse, I'm going to leave the church. Because there are sinful, because there, are, there is zazania within the wheat field of the Lord, I'm going to leave the wheat field of the Lord altogether. I'm going to leave it and let the weeds, because the, there's too many weeds. If Jesus was God, there wouldn't be so many weeds. It's all a phony. It's all a fake. Or they will say that in remaining faithful and true to the word of the Lord, we find it very difficult to accept certain ideologies and certain practices in the modern world. doesn't mean that we hate anybody, but how many young do you hear that say, well, I'm not a Catholic anymore because the church hates gays or the church hates transgenders or the church hates somebody? No, it doesn't. It doesn't adopt the wheat within the weeds within the wheat field as being part of the kingdom of heaven. But it does not in any way seek to harm them because that is up to the living God. And he tells us here that when in fact the harvest comes, then the angels will come and they will sort the weeds and the wheat. They have the knowledge to do so. They have the competency to do so. We do not. We don't know what rests deep in the heart of other human beings. We don't know how much, for instance, is malice and how much is ignorance and how much is, is psychological damage in their life and how much are any, we don't know any of those things. None of them. Our, system, our court systems struggle to find those things out. Our prisons are, are, are filled with people, some who should be there and some who probably should not be there. But we, since we can't tell the difference oftentimes, even through our judicial processes, some people who should be in are out and some people who are out should be in. But we've done the best we could. But that doesn't mean that we know all the answers. 
And so he said then, once he told them this, and once he established this idea, there is evil in the world and there is evil in the church. And the idea is not to harm people. Certainly, certainly, we try to limit the, the amount of damage that the evil in the church can do. But we don't turn away from the church because there is weeds sown among weeds. And so then he put another parable before them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it, it is the biggest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and shelter in its presence. How do we overcome the weeds in the field? It is in the smallest ways of living as Christians. It is in the smallest ways of living as obedient to the Lord, as utilizing the sacraments for our growth and holiness, of listening to the word, of exercises and, and works of charity. It is in all those kinds of ways, sing as small and as insignificant as it might seem, as our lives might seem to us. If they are lived in harmony with Jesus Christ, they are a powerful presence in the world for good. We may never see the good that they have done, but they will do good because that good is that which enters into the hearts and the minds of those who are truly seeking, of those who truly would like to know. And then they see the goodness, and through the goodness they can see the truth. And then he went on and he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour till it was leavened all through it. Three measures of flour is about a bushel of flour. So he's saying that a little bit of wheat does affects a, a huge part of the world, a huge part of the life that we live. In all this, Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and indeed he would never speak to them except in parables. And this was to fulfill the prophecy, I will speak to you in parables and expound things hidden since the foundation of the world. I will then speak to you in the imagery of your times and your places in order that you might be able perhaps to catch a glimpse of the great and the good things that have happened because of my presence in the world. And then leaving the crowds, he went to the house, and his disciples came to him and said, explain the parables about the darna, about the weeds and the field to us. And he said to them in reply, the sower of the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, the good seed is the subjects of the kingdom, the wheat the subjects of the evil one, the enemy who sowed them the devil, the harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. Well then, just as the weed is gathered up and burnt in the fire, so will it be at the end of time. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that provoke offense and all who do evil and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Then the virtuous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Listen, anyone who has ears. So Jesus then is able, he, they, he is able to speak to his disciples. They have a sense of who God is. They have a sense of who the angels are. They know that there is good and evil. They know that there are consequences of good and evil. And this is something then that keeps them 
faithful to the Lord. You know, we get in, and it's, it's very, it's very non-biblical. We get into this human way of thinking and we say to ourselves, well, you know, I'm a good person and I can do, and the Lord is our savior and whatever I do, he will forgive me because he understands. And so what I do, it doesn't much matter. It reminds me of a situation that, that I encountered many years ago. I was in the north of Ireland when, when much of the tension was going on between the Protestants and the Catholics and much violence going on and that conflict. And uh, I was at a monastery and I was, they had a guest in the monastery, a young man who was a Protestant. And sitting out on, on the, the wall with him one day and talking to him, I asked him about it. And I asked him, you know, what do you think the difference is, you know, between Protestants and Catholics? And well, he obviously hated the Catholics. And I said, well, you're in a Catholic monastery. Does that mean anything to you? Well, these, these, these guys are all right, but it's the rest of the Catholics that aren't all right. And then he said to me, actually, he said, I've killed some of them, and I'm glad I did. I asked him, I said, well, are you a believer? Do you believe? Yes, he said, I'm Protestant. And, and I've been saved. And I said, what about the murders that you've committed? What about that? And he says to me, if I'm saved, it doesn't matter what I do. God will take care of me and I will be saved in the end. So I can go out and kill people. And it's all right because I'm saved. Well, that isn't what the gospel says, is it? That isn't what the gospel turns and talks to us about, is it? The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the things that provoke offenses and all who do evil and throw them into the blazing furnace. Doesn't sound like those who do evil necessarily are saved. And, and I think it's not to speak in harsh condemnation of the Protestant notion of being saved. But it does bring to light out of the gospel the fact that it's not really a Christian concept and it's not really a biblical concept. It's a concept that has been derived through a very complicated process of rational and irrational thought that has taken root within the church very explicitly since the explosion of the Reformation in the 16th century. That, as a matter of fact, there are consequences for how we live our lives. Jesus has just said that here in this parable. He told us about that the reapers are going to come at the end and they're going to separate the, weed and the weeds and the wheat. And the weeds are going to be tied into bundles and thrown out to be burned. Whereas the wheat will be gathered into the barn. The wheat will be gathered. The, those who have striven to live their lives in accordance with the word of God will be gathered into his kingdom, into his home. And those who in fact rejected him in either belief or actions they will be rejected by him at the end of the world as well in the final judgment. So we have this story in front of us now, the story that authenticates in many ways the Catholic position on salvation, that it is a participatory reality. We participate, even if minusculely, we participate in our own salvation by obeying the word of God, by confessing our sins and repenting, 
and by striving to live a decent life, a life in harmony with the vision that Jesus had for the humanity that was created through him. And so it is the fulfillment of God's vision for humanity on earth which brings us into the kingdom of heaven. And we know, for instance, that oftentimes in the course of this lifetime, it's very difficult to tell the difference between the good person and the bad person. It's very often that it is kind of difficult for us to see that clear distinction between what goes on within someone whose heart is given to the Lord and someone who has been seduced into wanting to play God in their own lives. We know that. We know that. And yet Jesus says, we know that there is a debt. We don't know necessarily what it is, but he says, I know what it is. And in the final day, when it all comes, when everybody has had the chance that I want them to have, when everyone has had the opportunity to find salvation, then the harvest will take place. Because the, one of the reasons that no one wants to strive to destroy, just wipe out evil people, is because they are God's children, and he desires them to be converted and to live. And so the goodness that we are able to offer to sinners is something that is incredibly important in their lives, important in the world, important in the church, and important to the living God. For we are to bring them where they are supposed to be, to do so not by preaching and not by nagging and not by constantly haranguing, but by as it says earlier in the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast, by ourselves living a Christian life, a virtuous life, a good life. By doing what the Lord has asked us to do, it has an impact on those around us. It opens up the possibility of repentance for them. And in opening up the possibility of repentance for them, it opens up the possibility, therefore, also for their own salvation. And in so doing, therefore, in living our life, in living a Christian life, we then have the opportunity to move toward the Lord. We have the opportunity to assist the Lord in the bringing about of his kingdom on earth. And we, therefore, have the opportunity to fulfill our own destiny, the own, our own purpose of existence, which is not just to bring ourselves into the eternal kingdom, but also and as well to bring into that eternal kingdom the people whom God loves and desires to have with him, the people who God has invited to become part of his people, the people that God has impressed upon the importance and the necessity of seeking wholeness in their life, fullness in their life, the truth of who they really are. The truth of no human being is evil. The truth of every human being is good. Those who cannot ever find that truth within themselves or who accept falsely another truth about life, those are the ones then who struggle and those are the ones whom the Lord then in the end, having given them every opportunity and having used you and I also to give them the opportunity, these will be the ones gathered into bundles and thrown into the fire, the Lord says. 
And so as we look over this, this gospel, we reflect upon the parables of the Lord. And uh, as these Sundays go on, and Jesus uh, continues to use parables in order to explain um, his life and in order to explain to them the readings for the next couple weeks, we have, to, we have to strive and remember, first of all, with deep gratitude, what the Lord has done for us. And secondly, with deep compassion for those who have lost the gift of the Lord. And with great works of charity and with prayer, to lift the burden of evil from the hearts of, of ourselves but of others, and to bring all joyfully into the kingdom of heaven. For this is why the Lord has created us, and this is what he asks of us, and this is what he offers to us. He never forces us to accept it. He always invites. We get frustrated with the lack of force, but we also know one cannot love unless one is free to do so. One cannot be compelled to be saved. One must choose it and live for it and work for it in their lives. Foundations in Faith is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Foundations in Faith are available at stgabrielradio.com.